0: The Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast. Sheffield is a city in South Yorkshire, United Kingdom. This podcast features conversational interviews with owners or managers of a unique selection of businesses, charities, and other enterprises in Sheffield. This podcast is brought to you by Excel City Apartments, a brand founded in Sheffield that provides business travelers and leisure visitors with fully furnished, safe, and comfortable self-catering accommodation when they're in Sheffield or visiting the nearby Peak District National Park. And now, let's meet today's guest. Hello, and welcome to the Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast. I'm Veronica Brooms, your host, and in this, our 34th episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with James Marriott. James is a podcast strategist, and the founder of We Are Sound Media. Welcome to the podcast, James.
1: Veronica, thank you very much for, uh, for having me on. It's a pleasure.
0: It is my pleasure because when I think of podcasting and I think of the Sheffield's Hidden Gems podcast, I do think of James Marriott. So please do introduce yourself, James. Tell us about you, what led you to start your business, And I know firsthand some of what you offer because I've used your services, but tell us more about We Are Sound Media,
1: the floor series. Absolutely. So uh, it honestly is a pleasure to be here because I, I you know, a very, very small role in in helping you a little bit right at the beginning of the uh, of your podcasting journey. So here you are thirty-four episodes in, which is uh, which is brilliant. You know, I love love seeing um, people I love seeing people launch podcasts, but it's brilliant to see people um, you know, sticking with them because it's 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 having an effect which is um, which is brilliant. So yeah, um, most people get confused when I say I'm a podcast strategist and they scratch their head a little. Bit and think, what does that mean? And that's kind of deliberate, really, because you could call me a podcast producer, or you could call me a podcast consultant, or a podcast coach. Um, there's a few different phrases, and when I was kind of coming up with my job title, because you know it's it's my own business, I can call myself whatever I want. Um, I I went with strategist because it just it, it kind of gets across the slight difference in the way that I do things compared to I think what a lot of other people who do similar things. To me, and, and and there aren't there are that many people who go around helping others to create podcasts. Where you know we're, we're not we're not ten a penny, uh, but there are other people, and, and I'm different because my focus is not necessarily just on helping people make a podcast sound good. It's also about having some strategic direction behind it. So what I what I effectively do now is I work with businesses and brands who want to start a podcast for their for their business, for their brand. Um, but they don't really know how to to do it. they don't They don't really know how to make those first steps into podcasting and they don't want to mess it up. you know they want to get it right. and and so you know my focus is on working with them to establish, where are you going in business then what's 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 your overall direction what are you working towards what are you trying to achieve as a wider business aim and then all right how can we make a podcast fit within that how can we come up with an idea for a podcast that's actually going to help you achieve what you're looking to achieve on a wider business scale. I think people sometimes look at a podcast as something separate to the rest of their business. It's something that allows them to have a bit of fun. Um, and it should be fun, but there's no reason why it shouldn't also be working towards helping you achieve those bigger those bigger aspirations and those bigger goals. So that's why I call myself a podcast strategist. I think in there I've probably given you a bit of an idea as well about what Sound Media is all um, about. But basically, yeah, I help people who want to start a podcast, don't know how, don't want to mess it up. They want to make an impact. They want it to sound great, but they actually want it to have longevity. They want to um, have something that's going to that's gonna last, that they can be proud of, that they can believe in. Um, I help people to develop and grow their podcasts as well. Um, and I also help people with kind of editing and production, kind of the ongoing um, kind of things that you have to do in order to be uh, a podcaster. So um, all those things are, are loosely what makes up Sound Media.
0: Thank you very much for that, James. And I know how invaluable it is to actually have the benefit of a strategy session when you maybe even have an idea as to what you want to do with a podcast, but you are not the expert and therefore you reach out to people like you. And I was pleased that I discovered you during my networking. And this is virtual networking because it all happened during lockdown. Tell us a little bit about you, James, prior to you being a podcast strategist and uh, being the founder of We Are Sound Media, what were you doing before? Have you always had this career within podcasting? Or was there uh, were there other areas that led you to become a podcast strategist? Please do shed some light on that.
1: Yeah, sure. Um I, I mean, in a lot of ways, podcasting is still a relatively new thing. I mean, it has been around for twenty years. It's it's not kind of like shiny new anymore. But in the great scheme of things, obviously, it's a you know it's a modern kind of digital industry. Um, so for people like me, kind of you know earning a living from podcasting, that's still a relatively new thing. So so my past actually um, is in not too dissimilar an industry. So. I spent the vast majority of my career working in radio broadcasting. Um, I worked for a long time for um, a radio group. Um, and well, actually, I'll go back a little bit further than that, because when I, when I first started work at the age of 18, went straight into employment, I was a newspaper journalist. So I started out in print journalism. Uh, but I always loved radio. I always knew that's where I would end up. So um, after doing that for about three years or so, I moved full time into radio initially as a... a Um, broadcast journalist um, and also doing some news reading on the on the radio that then kind of led into doing some presenting on the on the radio so um, for a while I had a regular um, afternoon show every day on a a radio station a commercial radio station Um, and then as, as kind of happens in those those sorts of industries where lots of people want to be on the radio, lots of people want to do that that job. So I reached this kind of crossroads where it became apparent, you know, if I wanted to step up the amount that I could earn from working in radio, I was going to have to move into management because that's where, you know, the 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 kind of the the bigger amounts of money and, and they still weren't huge amounts of money, but the bigger amounts of money were, were kicking about was in management. So I made that move into management, um, started off managing one station that led on to managing two stations and um, eventually I was overseeing a a small group of of radio stations around Yorkshire Um, and that was great but I missed being on the radio so I was in meetings telling people off I was you know kind of helping people find when they could take the holidays and all that kind of stuff that you're doing in in management roles and I'm like that's not why I got into radio so I really missed just sitting behind a microphone just talking to people that was yeah what I what I got into it for so um unsurprisingly around the same sort of time this is where this at the time fairly new thing called podcasting which was already a bigger deal in the in the states but was relatively new in the UK and um, started to kind of take off and um i was approached by someone who uh was doing a a regular weekly podcast and they had a panel of people on this podcast and and they asked me if i'd become one of their regular panelists so i started doing that every week and i just fell in love with with podcasting at, at, at that point for for many different um reasons which i'm i'm happy to talk about later if you want me to um but that then led on to me starting my own podcast while I was still working full time in, in radio. It kind of became my little hobby. Um, and then I launched another podcast um, and kind of found myself back at a, a, a little bit of a crossroads, really, where I realized I'm actually more passionate and enjoying the podcast stuff that I do more than I'm enjoying the radio work that I'm doing. Um, I could also kind of see the way that things were going in radio, like jobs were getting a little bit scarcer. Um, You know, radio stations were kind of starting to vanish um, and kind of thought, actually, this is an industry that's going to have to go through quite a big kind of shrink. Um, And I got the opportunity then to go and work for a podcast technology company. Um, Did that for a year, but found myself back at a crossroads again. um, And kind of thought, right, well, you know what, I've I've got skills as a podcaster. I've got skills as a broadcaster. Um, I learned a lot in that year working for a for a podcast tech company about all the behind the scenes stuff and everything that's kind of involved in in um podcasting and kind of thought, what what can I do? And, and I also realized that I was seeing a lot of people who were launching a podcast uh, where the idea was actually all right. They got a nice idea behind it, but it just wasn't working. And they were making... Mistakes during that kind of launch process that were really kind of sowing the seed that that podcast was just not going to take off. It was not going to work because of things that they'd got wrong in the build up to launching their podcast. And I thought, right, that's what I can do. I can help people that want to launch a podcast, that want to do it right. I've got 20 years of radio experience. I've got nearly 10 years of, of experience in uh, podcasting. And there aren't many people that have got that many years of experience in podcasting because it's just not been around for, for, for long enough. Um, I can bring all those things together and I can help those people. And that's ultimately when you know the business was was born.
0: That's incredible, James. Awesome. And and I could see how that link with broadcasting and audio and radio is a natural transition. The skills are transferable to podcasting. And if you have the experience in management as well as understanding business, it means that you certainly can bring greater value. To the experience of engaging and supporting businesses as they launch and keep going with their podcast, and, and you mentioned earlier, it's so important to have some clarity or to be clear as to what strategies is relevant, because in essence, what you want your podcast to do or to be is part of your business. Now, it could be part of your marketing or your PR, or just general information but it needs to be seen as integral to your business that maybe your customers or your suppliers can get value from and not just as a nice to have and is merely a costly hobby so thanks for reminding us that strategy is important and explaining giving us that insight into your own journey now i know you said you worked with lots of other businesses in terms of commercial roles both in front of the microphone, as well as in management. But having founded your business, we are some media. What do you consider to be your greatest achievement so far? And are there any memorable or even challenging situations you've experienced that you'd be willing to talk about today? Uh, this,
1: this is going to sound a little bit like a cop-out answer, but this is absolutely the truth, that, that I still class you know, my my biggest, the, the thing that I'm the proudest of when I look back. Is actually doing it, so he's, he's launching it. So this all happened in uh, March 2020, um, and obviously we know what else happened in March 2020. That's when you know coronavirus really became a thing. That's when the first lockdown came in. It was it was new to all of us. It was a challenging time to be starting um, a, a business. But then the other bit, and actually the bit of this this story that I tend not to tell. People because it just makes it a little bit more complicated.
0: Spill the beans, please.
1: Yeah, so um, <laughs> the the job that I was in just before I ultimately kind of went it alone and, and started doing my own thing. Um, that was a job that uh, it was a position that was made redundant. So this wasn't going self-employed is not something that I'd been planning for months and months and, and kind of had all little bits of pieces in place. And I've been doing kind of bits of networking on the side and stuff. I was kind of thrust into it. You know, I, I was kind of found myself in a situation which is right. Do I go and find another job uh, that I might like? I might not or do I go about things a little bit differently and um so you know I basically had a month to kind of pull things together and to you know start whatever it was that I was that I was going to do um you know th- there's a there's a slight kind of footnote, I guess, here in terms of the fact that I'm quite fortunate that I had those radio skills and uh, a lot of contacts that I'd met, you know, 20 years working in um, radio, you you obviously get to meet a lot of people. So I had the fallback and I used the fallback of being able to go back to people I knew that were now in senior positions in radio groups saying, look, if you need someone to do a little bit of freelance work for you, I'm available. So the first certainly few months of of, um, setting up my own business was also interwoven with doing some freelance radio work, which ultimately paid the bills Um, and actually if I wasn't able to do that I don't know if I'd still be here now to be honest I might have got to a point where I had to go and find a a full-time job because as you can imagine starting you know doing all this learning everything that you need to learn just putting the Pieces in place, and then along comes lockdown, and the whole world just transforms pretty much overnight. Um, just means that that was such a huge challenge, and not just a challenge in terms of actually, you know, bringing in the money, but psychologically, that was that was a really hard time. And I know it was for for everyone. But, um, you know, there were there were people that were put on furlough and there were people who were given those self-employment grants. And I was one of those people that fell down one of those cracks. I wasn't entitled to any furlough payments from anywhere and I'm not filled in any self-assessment tax returns. So I also couldn't get any money from the government for that. So the only thing I could do was apply for universal credit which was you know relatively small sums of of money so you know for a lot of different reasons that was you know a heck of a time that was that was really really challenging and uh, i look back now on that and i'm really proud of, of of kind of navigating through that not just from a business point of view but also keeping myself going staying motivated and actually hitting a point where um And in a strange way, looking back, the fact that I didn't get a handout from the government might be a good thing because I thought, right, how am I going to survive this? And I said, the only way you're going to survive this, James, is just don't let the money run out, just go and find the work. Doesn't matter how you do it, go and find the clients and uh, otherwise you are going to be in trouble. So it gave me a real boot at the backside to just go, right, it really is now or never. There's no time to spend a few months kind of pussyfooting around thinking, oh, how does this work? How does that work? You've got to learn it now and you've got to get out there. So, um, you know, that, that really was kind of two, three months that were probably for all of us, unlike anything else we've been through, probably unlike anything else we'll ever be through uh, or ever go through. But yeah, there were a few kind of added juicy elements that made it, you know, particularly challenging, uh, but also very ultimately, you know, rewarding for me as I look back on that, that I was able to navigate that and ultimately start a business that's gone on to be successful through a a really difficult period.
0: Well done, James. Anyone who would have been brave enough to start a business, although you explained that, it wasn't by choice. It's just that it happened and you needed to just crack on and get going rather than stopping to think about what do I do? You just needed to say, how can I do it? And well done you to have been able to make that start and to keep going. And as you said, you're here two years on. Thankfully, the Pandemic hasn't gone away, but thankfully the world has reopened again and we're no longer in that stage where COVID-19 as a global pandemic would have caused that disruption at the front and center of everyday life and business. And so some of the changes I imagine that you'd have had to make in terms of how you found new work to be able to have your part-time job, you paid for roles using your previous experience and transferable skills and setting up your new business. I imagine that it was fortuitous that when that was happening, the world, because we couldn't do and go everywhere as previously, it meant that suddenly you had a captive audience where people you were using technology and digital in a way to be able to carry on with life and able to keep connected with friends and family and not only for business. So we're recording this at a time when it's about two and a half years since you started your business and having had the benefit of that experience and the lessons learned, what do you think you would do differently if you were starting now? So you were not starting in a period of pandemic. You're actually starting in the warm summer of August 2022. What do you think are some of the some of the ways in which you'd have done it differently
1: yeah uh we should point out it's particularly warm summer at the moment isn't it in sheffield i think we're with like 37 degrees at the moment or something uh something like that so it's very very warm as we record this um yeah. And, and also, just for context, because I, I don't know if my previous answer, you know, that, that wasn't like a, you know, woe is me, it was, it was, you know, so difficult. And it kind of was. Ultimately, it turned out, of course, that, you know, the, the pandemic and, and lockdown ended up being quite good for podcasting because everyone was at home. There were a lot of people who'd been saying for years, I'm going to start a podcast at some point. Suddenly those people had time to do it. So, you know, it, it very quickly became apparent to me that actually it, it wasn't going to be completely devastating for my business. It was actually probably going to be, you know, quite a, a blessing in disguise. And I'm, I'm being very careful with the language that I use because it was a difficult time for a lot of people and a lot of people lost people that they that they loved. But, you know, from a from a realistic Point of view, it became apparent actually that you know this this could well be um, a, a good time for podcasting, and 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 that's what it what it turned out to to be. Um, yeah, in terms of things that I do differently, so. I've said a few times about the fact that I, you know, I work with businesses and brands who want to start a, a, a podcast. And that's not always quite been the case. So when I first started doing this, I would really work with anyone. So I was working with people who were starting a passion project podcasts people that wanted to do a podcast just as a, a you know a bit of bit of fun um and you know a, basically anyone that was interested in podcasting I, w- I would I would work with them uh, and at the time that made sense partly again due to that kind of maybe panic that set in at the start of um lockdown but also I just didn't really know any different like why would I not work with with anyone um and it took me about a year or so of doing it before uh, a few things started to become apparent me and actually um i uh, the business wasn't originally called sound media Uh, it was called j media and i actually went through a little bit of a a a rebrand and that was all to do with a lot of people go through this i think when you start your own thing. That it takes you a little while before you realize all right so this is this is my bit of the market this is where i'm supposed to work this is what i'm supposed to do um and yeah about a year in i did a bit of taking stock And realized actually, why do I, why am I really enjoying working with these people, but I'm not quite as passionate about working with these people, or I find these clients a little bit more challenging, or actually at times a little bit more difficult. Why is that? Um, and when I started looking into it, I started to realize that there was a divide there. And the clients that I really enjoyed working with were people that were doing it for their business. And I think that there were. There's lots of reasons for that, but I think two really clear reasons behind that. Number one, when we talk about strategic direction, uh, when we talk about being clear on what you want to achieve from starting uh, a podcast, that makes a lot more sense when it's alongside a business. When you've already got a business plan there, you already know what you want to achieve. You already know where you want to be in five years or in 10 years with your business. So my job in terms of finding out, well, how do we latch a podcast within that? What's a, what, what role does a podcast play? That's a lot easier with a business than with an individual. Um, and you know people maybe who are founders who are looking to start podcasters kind of like a personal branding thing that's a bit different because there's still a direction there they still want to achieve something so it's still easy to figure out where that I wouldn't say easy but you know it's, it's a lot clearer how that strategy fits around it but people that are looking at passion projects there isn't a strategy there in place to start with so there's nothing to latch it onto so it becomes quite a difficult and actually quite an unrewarding process it actually becomes more like being a business coach to those people than anything else because it's figuring out why you're doing this what do you want out of it and they just don't really know because it's just a bit of bit of fun they
0: just want to have some fun with audio
1: absolutely and there's nothing wrong with that and and I, in no way am i saying that people shouldn't do that but it was that process of realizing all right that's fine but you're not the right person for me to work with there are other people out there that are better place to be able to help you because the people that i enjoy helping are those that have got a bit clearer direction about where they're going. And ultimately that is businesses and that is brands. Um, and, and, you know, that is people like founders and entrepreneurs. Um, so that's one, that's one reason. Uh, and the other is something quite different actually. So, um, when I when I'm working with someone to start and set up a podcast, there's so many different elements. Uh, you've been through this, Veronica, and you know that you kind of think, "Great, I'm going to start a podcast," and then suddenly there's all these little things like hosting platforms and equipment and editing and all these little lots of little things. Um, and and that's what I do. I help people get clarity and answer to those to those things. But one of those things is um, is is ultimately, you know, how are you going to pay for this stuff? You know, podcasting even at its most basic level, uh, is going to carry some kind of cost, even if that's just your time. If everything else that you do is is, is, is free, you're not paying anyone for still your time. So it's, you know, how, how do you account for that? And ultimately, what this comes back to is monetization. So a lot of people monetize their podcast, and that might be Adverts, that might be sponsorship, that might be things like Patreon, um, other kind of membership clubs around it. There's lots of different ways in which people monetize a podcast. Uh, And what I found is as I was working with people going through that process, when the subject of monetization came up, it tended to then override everything else. As soon as they were like, right, how am I going to make money out of this? They weren't that bothered about, all right, well, who are the guests going to be? How are we going to go about the editing? Everything else kind of played second fiddle. Like the content just didn't seem as important to them as how are we going to make money out of it? Um, And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but what I'm saying is that I would find that a bit deflating because I'm a content guy. I'm passionate about helping people to create content. Now, working with businesses, they're not going to start suddenly asking, you know, rival businesses, do you want to advertise on my podcast? You know, that is, it's (laughs) ultimately... I don't
0: think that would work.
1: (laughs) No, it's it's effectively, it's a pseudo-marketing tool. It's part of their marketing. So it's not something directly looking to monetize. They they want it to bring in returns, but those returns come by selling money more of their service or their product or whatever it is that they that they do. So that question of monetization, we could bury it. It wouldn't need to come up. They didn't care about that. It was irrelevant. So um, going through that process with a, a business would be I, I would find it a lot more rewarding because it really was about the content and it was about the strategy and um, it, it would sometimes be about the marketing but again often businesses would already have a marketing plan sometimes they would have um, a marketing agency that they were working with or even someone in-house that would take care of their marketing so we could really focus in on the content um, and and I, it took me a while to realize that that was what I was really passionate about and, and that's where I was so again now if people come to me and they want to start a podcast um but you know selling advertising or monetizing it's really important then i'll go look yeah i'll stop you there because that's not what i do i can introduce you to people who can do that and work with you and will help you you know probably make an absolute fortune from your podcast and i wish you the best of luck but i can't do that because i'm just not passionate about that i'm a content guy it took me a year to figure that out and i would have loved to have known that from the start because i think i'd be much further forward now in terms of where the business is if i'd have had that clarity from the from the beginning so I don't know if I can necessarily class that as a as a mistake but but as a a very organic lesson that, that took me a year to figure out and I look back and think you know it would have been great if I could have learned that a little bit sooner and maybe made those changes a bit sooner but then again maybe I wouldn't be ready to make them sooner so who knows
0: lesson learned or lessons learned as a founder James so pat yourself on the back for what you've achieved and certainly don't beat yourself up because you think ah oh, if only I'd known that I'd say speaking from experience if only you had known that means that sometimes you don't ever get started because you're thinking you need to have all the answers up front when in fact even when we think we have the answers they're not necessarily the right questions we may be asking so I, I think it's Insightful that you've pointed out that content is key in a podcast. And as yet we haven't monetized our podcast per se, because that's not the focus. We want to be able to offer value to listeners. And initially it began as a focus on our guests and communicating or engaging with local businesses and charities in Sheffield, because there's so many of those in the Sheffield City region. And if someone comes to visit Sheffield, they won't necessarily know of those hidden gems, as I describe them because they would see the larger businesses or organizations and not necessarily know enough about these independent freelancers and business owners and funders, as well as the charities and social enterprises. So well done you for having learned that lesson in terms of help as part of your strategy to grow your own business. James, as we come to the close of our conversation in this episode, I'd love to hear from you what are some of the plans if you're able to disclose those for you as a podcast strategist, your business as a provider of services to current and potential and future podcast hosts. What, what, what would you say are some of the plans that you can share with us for the next few months and beyond that you have for your business?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, it, it's it's largely uh, more of the same. So it, it's there's, there's no great plans to diversify. I, d- I did try that a while ago. Went down the route of of turning the business into perhaps more of a podcast agency rather than just helping people to to launch and to grow and develop a, a podcast, and that didn't really work out. Um, so yeah, it's it's very much about working with um, as many new businesses as as possible and um, I mentioned before about kind of getting clarity on who I enjoy working with and um, you know that that continues to happen you know I realize that very much working with startups and micro businesses um, SMEs founders um, you know businesses that are right at the start of their journey businesses that want to be a dis- bit disruptive within their niche are, 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 are the kind of people that I'm really loving working with now so it's about you know hopefully finding more of those and um, but also quite a lot of collaboration as well and, and and, and um, you know, one of the things that I do a little bit now is working uh, with digital agencies, so particularly with marketing and PR agencies uh, who are already kind of working with the kind of clients that I quite like to work with. So I thought there's not much point trying to wrestle them away. So, you know, kind of been um, going to agencies, working with them in order to offer kind of white label services. So, you know, they're clients that they can't offer podcast services to at the moment because they just don't have anyone in-house that specializes in it. Um, So I'm, you know, able to go in and provide those services to their clients. That's something that very much looking to grow um, and also the way in which we deliver services is um, is something that I am looking to, to to develop as well so up till this point really everything that I've done has been on a one-to-one bespoke basis with with clients. Um, and that's been uh, something that I've done very consciously because it's something that I wanted to make sure that I absolutely had right, that absolutely worked. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, there were tweaks along the way in terms of who it does work with and maybe who actually wasn't quite as as as, as great with. So, um, you know, kind of getting to that point now where I'm really happy with that bespoke service that that I offer but obviously that comes at a certain price point anything that is bespoke anything that is is one-to-one um comes at a certain price point and I'm very aware of the fact that there are people out there that um you know engage with 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 me on social media that that I chat to, who kind of said, "James, I'd really love to use your services, but you know, it's it's just out of my reach at the moment in terms of what I've got available." So you know it's looking at other ways of of, of making what I do um, available for for people who are at different stages of of, of their journey. Um, so I ran a podcast bootcamp, which um, is it's not a huge thing, but that's for several people at once, um, which is a, a way of you know being able to make the same sort of stuff that I do kind of talking people through helping them through the early stages of um, how to create their podcast strategy, what they're going to need to put in place to be able to start it rather than doing it on a one-to-one basis, doing it on a one-to-many basis. I've recently done that Um, and just starting uh, in the early stages now of doing some work to set that up as kind of like an online course for people that want to go away and do it in their own time over whatever period they um, they want to do it over. So that's something that um, I'm moving forward with at the moment as well. So um you know i'm not i'm not going to be diversifying into suddenly offering loads of different kind of um services um I've, I've started doing a little bit in terms of video podcasting with people but on quite a, a, a small scale i'm not a videographer uh, that's not something i'm going to go you know, much much um deeper into other than very basic kind of um services so yeah i would sum it up as being you know the next few years are going to be more of the same, but hopefully working with more and more new clients um, and also finding new ways of, of making you know those services available to as many people as possible.
0: Excellent. Yeah, the one-to-many route is so important when, as business funders, you are reminded that there are only 24 hours in a day that you have access to, like everyone else. And if you're to serve a large number of clients, It's not practical to do that on a one-to-one basis. So for people who would love to get in touch with you, James, who may be interested in your boot camp or marketing agencies that would love to explore the potential of working with uh, podcast strategists such as you, what are the best ways they can reach you?
1: Yeah, so good old-fashioned email. Um, James at wearesoundmedia.com is probably the best way. My website is we Um I'm really active on LinkedIn. If you search for James Marriott, um, I hope I'll be the first person that comes up. I don't think there's that many James <laughs> Marriott's in the world. I hope. I haven't found them yet, but. But, yeah, I mean, if you search for James Marriott Podcast, it, I'll, I'll definitely be the first person. And also on Twitter, at James Marriott. I'm quite active on Twitter uh, as well. So, um, you know, DMs are open if people do want to get in touch via social media, by all means, um do uh, and that's about anything you know I am always up for a chat with um, people if you go on my, my website you can book half an hour into my calendar if you just want to have a chat about podcasting or want to just figure out a bit more about how it works whether it might be right for you uh, I am always up for a chat with uh, people about any elements of podcasting at all
0: thank you ever so much James for that generous offer and for making time today it's been such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Sheffield's hidden gems podcast and it all started with not a, merely my idea but a strategy session with you and being able to access your expertise as a podcaster so many thanks James for being here and sharing with listeners
1: now thank you for having me um you know as I say it's it's a real pleasure to be able to come on as a guest um, after you know playing as i say just a, a minor role in being able to help you um, set it up and congratulations on on getting so so many episodes in and um, i'm sure there's a lot lot more to uh, to come so uh, well done
0: thank you for listening to the sheffields hidden gems podcast this podcast is brought to you by excel city apartments a brand founded in Sheffield, that provides fully furnished self-catering accommodation for business and leisure visitors to the city and the nearby Peak District National Park. We also accommodate families relocating to Sheffield city region. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do listen to other episodes by following our podcast on this platform, or you can find us on Twitter, at Excel Property P, that's the letter P. And on LinkedIn, the business page is Excel City Apartments. Until the next time, Ta ra!